You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Oh, good morning. How are you doing? 11.30, 11am, sir. It's not 11.30, service. It's nearly 11.30. Poppy is 11.30. Bang on 11.30. How about that? How prophetic is the pastor? <laughs> so good to have everyone with us here today. Welcome uh, to those who are in the auditorium. Welcome to those who are in the cafe and welcome to those who are joining with us online today. It is so good to see people's faces and to be here with you guys and worship together and hang out and have some fun in the house of God together. And um, it's amazing. I'm so uh, thankful that uh, we have, we're seeing restrictions start to lift, and I'm so thankful that in a couple of weeks, all these silly mandates are going to be gone, and we can just get back to life, and uh, I just want to say again to you guys, to those in the room, those who've journeyed this with us, like this has not been easy for anybody, and I want to thank you for your generous, generous grace uh, throughout the season. Um, this has not been easy. It's been incredibly difficult for many, many people, and so I'm so thankful that we have a church that is gracious towards one another and uh, praise God that we, there is very, very uh, decent light at the end of the tunnel now. And I want to encourage you as well, uh, as Pastor Mike shared, we have a Ukraine mission appeal happening next Sunday. So I want to encourage you, church, to prayerfully consider what you're going to give in that, that we have an opportunity to do something we've never done before. So not just are we partnering together to make a difference and to bring what we have, but we're also partnering with every Elam church in New Zealand. So there's 40 Elam churches around our nation. Not only that, but we're partnering with Elam UK. That's around 500 Elam churches in the UK. So all of us are getting on board with this and all of us are collectively giving to make a difference. And so uh, just prayerfully consider what you're going to bring. That would be amazing. And as Beck shared, at the end of the service, we're going to take communion together. So make sure you've got those ready. If you didn't get them, uh, they're at the back. Uh, they'll have them in the cafe for you as well. And online, you just find some bread or some wine. Open that 15-year-old vintage red, and uh, you'll enjoy yourselves. It'll be a great time. Uh, we're starting this new series called The Journey to the Cross. And we're going to just follow Jesus' footsteps towards the cross. And it's so important that as Christians, as believers, that we take the time to just pause and survey the cross. For it's at the cross that we see the gravity of sin. It's at the cross that we see the wonder of God's love. It's at the cross that we see the fullness of His redemptive work. And I want to take us on a journey today. My prayer is that as we go on this, this, this way to the, towards the cross, that this would be a journey that forms us in the process. My prayer is that today we wouldn't just see the cross and look at what Jesus has done, but that the journey there would actually transform and shape us along the way. And I want to start the journey where it all began for Jesus. It's in a place called Gethsemane. So let's go there together in Matthew 26. Uh, if you have the Elam Christian Center app, you can find the notes in the app. They're going to come up on the screen. Um, you can grab a Bible if you want to get your Bible out, or you can grab your phone out with your Bible app on your phone. Don't worry, we won't think you're texting during my amazing sermon. You will just will believe the best in you and uh, know that you're just reading the Bible. But Matthew 26, starting in verse number 20, uh, 36, it says this, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. 
He went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch for even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you might not give into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Then he returned to them again. He found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to his disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. I want to uh, take the next few moments with us before we take communion together just to explore this scene and the beginning of this journey to the cross. And there's a couple of things in there that stand out to me and speak to me. And I want to share those with you. And I pray that they encourage you. I pray they stir you. And I pray, like I said at the start, that this also forms you in your own journey with Jesus. The first thing I see is this whole scene is set in a garden. Gethsemane. It's a garden. It's an olive grove. It's the Gethsemane means uh, olive press. And uh, I actually have a leaf from the garden of Gethsemane. It was uh, found in the inside cover of my great uncle's Bible that he carried with him to war. And when they went through Jerusalem and they went through the garden of Gethsemane, he took a leaf and he put it in that Bible. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, the, but Gethsemane is this place of a garden. Bex and I have these uh, really great friends that we've been friends with for a really long time, and uh, they have um, got kids similar age, and we, we've gone really, really well with them, and we've known them f since before we were in ministry, before we were pastors, and um, they grew up uh, in the early days, they spent a lot of time in an Elam church in another city, and as often happens in church because church is full of broken people and churches are places where people are people and, and if you find no church is perfect, so if you find the perfect church, don't go to it because you're going to ruin it, by the way. Uh, but as often happens, um, they got hurt in, along their journey with the church and it was a place of brokenness for them and so Elam carried with them this sense of like brokenness and pain and hurt and a uh, few years go by, and they find themselves through work transferred up to a city called Whangarei. And in Whangarei, Bex and I just happened to be pastoring our campus up there at the time. And so they move up, we connect, and then they end up coming to our church. And what was amazing was that they had this conversation with us saying, it's almost like God has brought us full circle. He's brought us back to the place that was a place of brokenness for us, and that place of brokenness has now become a place of our healing. It's now become a place of restoration. It's now become a place of redemption, and God's purpose is now outworking in us through the place that once was a place of pain. It's interesting to me that Jesus' journey to the cross starts in a garden. This, friends, is a full circle moment, which we often see in Scripture. This God, God is reflecting another garden in this garden moment. I hope you can see it. 
See, what, 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 this is the culmination. This moment with Jesus is the culmination of God's redemptive plan for humanity. What began at the garden with the separation between God and humanity because of one man's sin, sin one man's disobedience, sin and death into this world in a garden. Now in this garden, we see God's redemptive plan beginning to bring life and peace to humanity. It is a full circle moment where God is reflecting again that the amazing work he's doing in a garden. Scholars will say that Jesus, in fact, is the second Adam. But more than that, he is the true and better Adam. He did what the first Adam could not do. From a man in a garden came sin and death, but from Christ in a garden is the beginning of the redemption of of the world to life and peace. God has this way of taking the pain in our lives and making it a place of purpose. God has a way of taking the broken things in our lives and going full circle and causing them to become a place of hope and redemption and future. Romans 5, 18, 19 says this, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Praise God that in the garden, God began a work to restore what was lost all those years ago in the garden. It's a circle back moment. And God so often in your life and my life wants to do the same thing where He takes a place of pain and brokenness and causes it to become our place of purpose. It could be in your marriage, it could be in business, it could be in that place of failure for you or that lack or that thing that did not work out could be a place of pain. My challenge for all of us is this today. Maybe today as we go on this journey to the cross. Maybe today God is wanting to do a similar work in your life, reflecting what He's done in the garden. Maybe He's wanting to do the same thing and take a place in your life that is a place of pain, a place of brokenness, a a place of failure, a place of lack, and do His redemptive work in your life and cause that to become a place of purpose for you. So often I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it in so many people in our life, our church, where God takes something that was a place of brokenness, He takes your mess and He makes it your message. He takes what what, uh, was a mistake and creates out of it a ministry where you begin to bring wholeness and healing to others who are walking a similar journey. And as we survey the cross and as we journey towards the cross, I want to encourage us and challenge us to look in our own lives and say, maybe God is wanting to take that place of pain and brokenness and do His redemptive and restorative work, bring it full circle, and then out of that place will come a place of purpose. The second thing I see in this passage is Jesus begins to speak of a cup. He's in the garden, and He begins to speak of a cup. Many of you uh, probably don't know this, but I actually have a genetic blood disorder. Uh, and this disorder, before you start getting crazy about it, it's all good. Like, I'm all good. So don't, don't. oh no, we've got to go into deep prayer and fasting for Pastor Steve. I'm okay. Um, it, I got diagnosed with it when I was 18 years old, found out that I had it. And as long as I do the treatment, I'm all good. So if I don't do the treatment I'm supposed to do, then it will likely shorten my life up uh, quite significantly. But if I do the treatment, I'm normal, healthy, and all good. And it just so happens, in terms 
turns out that the treatment, once I've had my initial kind of run of, of treatments, my treatment now is simply to go to the blood service and donate blood. That's the treatment for this disorder I have. So if there is ever a disorder you want to have, it's one that forces you to now save lives. The trouble is I hate needles. I cannot stand needles. So every few months, I have to brave the, the clinic to go and get a needle put into my vein. There is nothing on earth more horrifying and horrific than a needle going into it. I know there's probably doctors and nurses here, and you're like, hey, all good, all power to you. You run in your lane, I'll run in mine. Mine doesn't involve putting needles in things. I'm not interested in that. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with blood. Blood's fine, I'm not fine with needles. Pastor Adrian is not fine with blood. He sees blood, he passes out. It's the best, it's the most hilarious thing. So what I do is when I'm donating blood is I take pictures of the bag of blood and I send them to him. And so my goal is that he's working in the office and goes, bing, message from Steve. Oh, it just like collapses at his desk. That's, my, that's been my goal for many, many years. I probably need to talk to HR because that could be considered workplace bullying, but each to their own, like we're not gonna, but, Every few months, the dialogue and my, my internal response, it has, I have to go through this process where I have to say, I know you don't want to do this. I know you hate needles. I know this is something you don't want to do, Steve, but you have to do it. Because the ultimate purpose of this is to keep you healthy and to keep you well and help you live long and to, in the process, help other people. And so in the process, I have to put aside what I want and what I prefer and what I don't like, and I've got to put that aside and actually go forward and do what I know has a greater purpose for me. And Jesus in the garden, he's looking ahead at what is to come. And he says to the Father, he says these words, Lord, let this cup pass from me. In other words, Jesus is looking ahead at what is to come and he says, I don't want to do this. This is not what I want. I don't want to have to go through what I'm about to go through if it's possible, Father. And in other gospels, he says, everything is possible for you. You can do anything. If it's in your will, if it's possible, let this cup, I don't want to go through what I'm about to go through. What's the cup he's talking about? Well, on one level, it's the physical torment and suffering he's about to endure. He is about to endure something so extreme and so horrific. It, it boggles the mind. He's about to be rejected by his friends. He's about to be arrested by those he, and betrayed by those he's trusted. And he's gonna be ridiculed and mocked and made fun of. And, and he's gonna be whipped and stripped and he's going to be uh, beaten and tortured and, and flogged. And then he's gonna be in a, a trial which is totally unjust. And someone who is a guilty man is gonna be let go and he's gonna have to bear the weight of crucifixion and carry his own cross up a hill called Golgotha and he's going to have to die the death of crucifixion on that cross. Can you imagine the weight that that is? To think that's what's awaiting you. There's very few more horrific ways to die than crucifixion. It's absolutely barbaric and brutal. It is, it is the way to induce the most amount of pain for the longest period of time and still kill somebody. It's absolutely horrific. And so Jesus, is that's on his mind, it's weighing on him and he sees that. But then there's a whole nother level to this cup. There is the spiritual anguish that Jesus is feeling as he knows that very soon the 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 
punishment and payment, the debt of the sin of the world, the judgment for the sin of all humanity is going to be laid upon him. The sin of this world is going to be laid upon his sinless soul. And as a part of that process, he's going to be alienated from his father, which is exactly what sin does. It alienates us from God. He's going to be alienated from his father and the deep anguish of what he is about to bear on behalf of you and me has troubled him so deeply that he begins to sweat blood. Wow. And so he's sitting there looking ahead at all he's about to endure and go through. And he says, Lord, I don't want to do this. If it's possible, let that cup go from me. Can you imagine how heavy that must have weighed on him? And in the midst of his anguish, he says these words, and they're the most powerful words I think in the whole Bible, and I've read them multiple times and they've formed me so much in the process. He says these words after seeing all of that and looking ahead at all of that and saying, God, can you take this cup from me? He says the words, but not my will be done, but yours. Not what I want, but what you will. Without this moment, there is no cross. Without this moment, there is no redemption of sin. Without this moment, there's no reconciliation of the world to God. There's no ultimate purpose of God through Christ unless Christ surrenders His will. This is such a powerful moment, and I hope you're grasping this. And I know this is weighty and this is heavy, but it's, it's a sobering moment to look at the cross and journey to the cross and see what Jesus has done for us. It's an incredibly powerful moment. And likewise, for you and I, one of the most powerful moments you'll ever experience in your faith is the same moment where you say to the Father, Lord, no longer my will be done but yours. No longer my will be done but yours. In my marriage, no longer my will be done, God, but yours. In my family, no longer what I want and what I want to do, but your will be done. In my business and my career, no longer what I want to do and how I want to live my life, but your will be done. In my recreation, in my relationships, in my finances, in my, in my time, in my resources, no longer what Steve wants for his life. God, not me, not my will, but your will be done. Because it's very easy to be a Christian who desires to follow Jesus, but the reality of our lives is, Lord, your kingdom come, but my will be done. God, I want, you, I want your kingdom to come. God, do a work, but I don't want to do the stuff you want me to do. I don't want to live the life you're calling me to live. I want, I want, I want your kingdom, but I want it on my own terms, in my own way. You know, I, t- I can tell you this with all honesty, like honest truth, that for a lot of my journey of faith, my internal dialogue looks a lot like this. I don't really want to pray. I don't really want to love people because people are hard and annoying and frustrating. And I don't really want to have more grace and I don't want to show more grace. And, and, and I, don't, I don't really want to forgive people because it's way easier to hold a grudge and it feels better to hold a grudge against people and to be resentful. And, and, and I don't really want to like show over grace. I, want, I don't want to serve. I don't really want to give money away to things that, that I want that stuff. And I don't, I, don't always, I don't really want to be the pastor of the church today. Like I had a terrible sleep last night. I slept about four hours. I get up this morning and go, I don't want to be the pastor today. This is, oh, can someone else please do it? That'd be awesome. But every day, and listen, I don't always get it right. 
there's many days where I do not get this right. But for me, every single day, and I'm not making myself the hero of this story, I'm, I'm simply saying that every single morning, the very first thing I do is I get up and I go and I be with the Father. And I pray a simple prayer and I just say, God, today, just today, tomorrow we'll figure it out, but today, not my will be done, but yours. I wanna serve you today. I wanna to live for you today. I don't want today to be about me. I want today to be about what you would have for me because God's ultimate purpose for my life is found in that place. Like Jesus' ultimate purpose of his life to go to the cross and die for humanity, that purpose was found in the surrendering of will. The same is true for you and I. The ultimate purpose for your life is found in the submission of your will to the will of the Father. Because here's the news, God has way better plans for you than you have for yourself. God has a, a greater, more expansive, broader, more life-giving, fuller, more fruitful plan than you could ever create for yourself. You can trust Him because He is so good. He's so good. Ben, you guys can come and join me. I was chatting with um, some friends the other day. We were visiting them and um, they were telling me, we hadn't caught up for a while, so they're telling me kind of their story and what they were up to and things they were doing with their lives. And they, they'd got to this... Um, point in their life where they had started to ask themselves the question, what do we really want out of life? Like, how do we really want to live our lives? And what do we really want to do with our lives? And, and what does that look like? And what do we want our lives to be about? And so that journey had started them on a process of uh, beginning to change the way they were living. And like, it's a really good question. It's a really powerful question that they, you can ask yourself. But they begin to like downscale what they were doing in Auckland and they were building a house down in a nice little beach town um, outside of Auckland, another part of, uh, of the North Island. And they were looking to like downscale work and change the way they, the way they were doing that. And we're gonna live here because we wanna have this kind of lifestyle and we wanna be closer to the beach and like downscale everything. And we're gonna do this because this is what we want for our lives. And I was sitting there going, wow, that's amazing. Like how brave and how amazing is that to, to go on that journey to do that? And it was, I was just like, dude, that's incredible. How cool is that? And I was saying things like, man, how amazing would that be to like go and do something like that? And he said to me, he said, Steve, why don't you do it? Like, why don't you, you could do, you can do this. Like just downscale what you're doing, change the way you live in. Like you can get a job doing something totally different. You don't have to keep doing what you're doing or people want pastors all over the place. So why don't you go do something somewhere else and you can move and you have a great lifestyle. You could do what you wanna do. And it was really interesting because I was like, dude, I understand the question, but I also understand my assignment. And the, the trouble is I don't get to make those decisions anymore. Like, it's all good and well that Steve would want to go and downscale, actually move to a nice little beach town called Raratonga and sip on pina coladas and sit on the beach and climb coconut trees and enjoy whatever I want to do there. And hey, look, if God calls you there, go. Just keep in touch because I might need to come and see you. But the reality is I don't get to make those decisions anymore. It's not, my, it's not what Steve wants out of his life. My will is now irrelevant. No longer my will be done, but God's will be done. If it was up to Steve, I would've been out of here. I'd be lying on that beach, getting a tan, be amazing. But it's no longer what Steve wants. As appealing as that is, I no longer live for me. And this is the thing, I believe the best for me 
is actually found in not what I will be done, but what the Father will be done for me. And here's what I want to challenge you with, church. As we journey to the cross, as we survey the cross, I want to ask you this question. Is there something that God is calling you into, but your will is still getting in the way? Is there something God is calling you to do, a step he's calling you to take, a ministry he's calling you to serve in, an area he's wanting you to grow in, but the trouble is your will is still in the way. I believe on the other side of surrender is life and purpose. And I want to lead us in communion today. I want to create a little communion moment. And if you're watching online, make sure you get ready. If you're in the cafe, please get ready to join with us. You can grab a hold of your little uh, communion items. Just, just hold them ready. Communion, if you are new to this or you're unfamiliar with it or you're not sure, just hold on to them because I'll lead you in it in a, in a few moments' time. Um, communion is an act of surrender. Communion is what Jesus asked us to do in remembrance of him. See, the bread, it represents his body that was broken for us. And the juice of the wine, it it's, reminds us of his blood that was poured out, that was shed for us, for the forgiveness of sin, for the new life he brings to us. And as we take communion, we simply pause and we remember and we acknowledge and we surrender. And, and I wonder if today, as we sit in this moment, if we could have a little Gethsemane moment for ourselves. Where as we are about to take communion, maybe today, because of Jesus' victory on the cross, God can come and do his redemptive and restorative work in you to bring that place of pain and make it a place of purpose. And maybe in this moment, just allow God to speak to you in that. Or maybe for you and I today, God is calling you into something and your will is still getting in the way. It's still about what you want. And maybe even as we take communion in a few moments' time, you'd be brave enough to say, God, today, not my will be done, but yours. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this amazing company of people. And I thank you for this moment. And I pray for each of us, Lord, that as we go on this journey, as we survey your cross, we thank you for your body that was broken and for your blood that was shed on that cross, that through that act, we receive the free gift of grace, right standing with you. We know the torment that you endured to get to that place. And so we thank you and we honor you for all you went through to pay the debt that we were due. And God, I, I ask that now you would help us in this process. If there is something you need to go full circle in in our lives to redeem and restore something that is a place of pain or brokenness or failure, and cause it to become a place of purpose. Lord, I pray do that work. And Lord, I pray for all of us that in this moment we would say, Lord, in my life, in the entirety of my life, in every area, not my will be done, but yours. We surrender afresh today in Jesus' name. Let's eat and drink together today, church. 
Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.